Welcome. Welcome once again to the Porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, examining the Word of God, taking a look at the Book of Acts Church, following their example on how they serve the Lord. We dig deeper into Scripture, and I believe, as many of you believe, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created, at a time when it really needs the one that the Lord intended. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining its world-shaking influence that the early church had. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he changes not, then the fire still falls. If you have any questions, go to Firefall Talk Radio. Use the contact button or write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, there are ways to do that. The bottom of the homepage for firefalltalkradio.com. Pray and give as the Lord leads. We appreciate your support and encouragement to everybody who does. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. We appreciate each and every one of you. Remember, if you need prayer or you want to pray for others in the porch community, just contact us, and I will let you know how to do that. If you were listening live last week, you know that we had some technical problems. Not sure what that was about. It could be Spreaker. If it happens again, then I'm going to have to figure out how to do things differently. Continue to pray for me and and my wife as we deal with the after effects of Hurricane Ian, which means we're in the insurance phase. So divine favor would be nice, so please pray for that. Joe Citrone, member of SRT, founding member along with myself and Larry Barrett. Many of you know who he is. I asked you last week for prayer for his family. Well, Joe Citrone and his family need prayer for the loss of his sister, Sheila, who passed away after a sudden illness. Please keep them in your prayers, especially Joe's mom. If you want to help with funeral or other expenses, just let me know. I will send you the information on how to do that. They would appreciate anything anybody could do. Father, you know all these things, so we're just going to come directly to you. We're going to approach the throne of grace and mercy during this time of Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. We want a tabernacle with you. We look forward to the day that we can do it through the millennial reign. But for now, we do it with you by faith in the Spirit, and we thank you. We thank you for how much you love us. We thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you're doing. And Abba, we thank you for Yeshua, your only begotten Son, who you sent to pay our debt so that you could be reconciled to us. What love that took for you to do that, and and we love you in return. Maybe never as much as you loved us, but we 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 try. At least I do. Lord, you know how much I love you. I never stop telling you, but I'm gonna tell you again. I love you. We love you. We thank you. We thank you for the cross, the empty tomb, the upper room, 
We thank you for the fire of the Holy Spirit that you sent back and is still falling until the time that you stop it and take the church out of here and we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Thank you for blessing us and teaching us, for loving us even when we were unlovable. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you for walking with us, encouraging us, teaching us, explaining the word, helping us to walk this relationship out properly and being there for us when we need you. So we pray right now. We come together in heart, mind, soul, and spirit. We come together as one. We touch and we agree, taking our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah, claiming the mind of Messiah, and casting down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of Elion, God Most High, our Father. We thank you that the enemy has been defeated. The enemy is bound right now, and we declare and decree they cannot bother us. They cannot mess with the technology. They cannot interrupt this word. And if they're interrupting with the lives of any of the listeners and members of the porch community, we just know that they are defeated, and we pray right now that they came in one way, they flee seven. Holy Spirit, we ask that you begin to touch and soften the ground as you begin to touch hearts and minds, as you bring things to remembrance, people to remembrance, things that we may have forgotten about or hidden away. We ask you to protect the technology, protect us, and get us ready to receive the word, to hear what you have to say, Lord. And I just pray all these things. In Yeshua's name, amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So get your Bibles open, your apps open, however you listen along, however you take notes, whatever it is you do, get it going. But I have a question. Before we begin anything, really has, doesn't have to do with the actual lesson, but it has to do with you. Why are you here? Why are you here with us? Whether it's Wednesday night at 7 o'clock Eastern time or you listen to it other different ways, why are you here? What is it that you want here on the porch? I hope that you're here to be changed. I hope that you're here to receive the word, a word that will change you so that you can become what you need to be at this time for the kingdom of God. If you're here to get knowledge, there will be knowledge, but it'll be geared around what I said before. The porch is about changing lives, restoring the priesthood of the believer, regaining, as I say, the influence of the book of Acts Church. And to do that, we need to be changed. We are always in the process of transformation which is why I've stayed on this topic. I was going to go elsewhere, but the Lord took me back about forgiveness, about the root of bitterness. But we're going to stir things up tonight. We're going to stir up the ground. We're going to get things ready for some new seed, for some new planting. 
And you might say, well, Richard, that's not the season for that. We're getting into fall. Well, it doesn't matter. We need it. We need it now. And as I've been saying, forgiveness is required of us. It's the character of the redeemed child of God. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Messiah forgave you, so you also must do. Above all, these things put on love. Above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, Adonai Yeshua, giving thanks to God the Father, giving thanks to Abba through him. It's not an option. Forgiveness is not an option. Loving one another is not an option. We are called to be, represent, manifest him to the world by how we deal with one another. And it's amazing to me how when I watch things, you know, streaming, movies, TV shows, when I see on social media, the concept of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, a concept of revenge, the concept of revenge, is so prevalent in everything. And it's very subtle. Revenge movies sell well. But see, we we can't be like that. We have to forgive. Right after the Lord's Prayer, he said, if you forgive people their trespasses, and you should already know, Lord's Prayer is Matthew 6. This is starting verse 14. For if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Sometimes people do bad things to us. They do reckless and willful things to us. We've got to let it go. We've got to put it under the blood. Human forgiveness is the equivalent of divine forgiveness. He forgave, therefore so must we. And the power is delegated to us through the, the Holy Spirit, through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, between in, by being born again to forgive others. You see, when we don't forgive, when we hold on to resentment, when we hold on to bitterness, we give ground to the enemy. We let the enemy in. 
And if he can gain some ground, he's going to plant himself there. When we enter Satan's sphere of influence, because once he takes ground, he begins to build condos. He just doesn't build a one-room shack. No, no, no. He wants a mansion. He wants lots of rooms. He's got friends to bring with him. When we allow that sphere of influence to grow, we become bitter. Never forget he's bitter. He hates the Father. He hates us because we're made in God's image. He hates his angelic brothers and sisters. No sisters, sorry, mistake. Eh, Erase that out. He hates his angelic brothers, and he even hates the the offspring that serve him. See, Satan can't love. Satan can't forgive. The fallen can't forgive. They are the extreme opposite of God. And they want to get us away from God, whether through deception, whether through how we act, whatever it is, they're doing things to get us further and further away from our Heavenly Father. And that root of bitterness we talked about for two weeks is what keeps us from forgiving, and we get into this vicious cycle of self-destruction because that's what it is. We're not hurting anybody else. We're not hurting the other parties by not forgiving them. We're hurting ourselves. So the solution to all this, the remedy, the antidote is forgiveness. Now, let's get real. Forgiveness is not easy. We don't want to forgive. We want them to feel what we felt. We've been wrong, so we want them to be wrong. We want them to be punished. And if you really follow that thinking out, if you extrapolate that out, you begin to see the journey from light to darkness. You begin to see the path into the shadows that that thinking takes you. Remember I said Satan will get some ground and he will plant himself there. And if those roots go too deep to get to them, the ground must be stirred up. So we need something to dig with. So let's go to Hebrews 4, starting verse 12. For the word of God speaks... It is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, which is the soul and the immortal spirit and of the joints and the marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. But all things are open and exposed, naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do, with whom we have to give an account. It sifts. That word of God sifts. It cuts through to reveal the true nature of our thoughts, of our actions, and the intent of our hearts, it will divide and expose. It's no wonder the enemy wants to keep people away from the Word of God. 
It's active. It's effective. It's forceful. It's got the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is in it and behind it. The same word that created and runs and governs the universe, the cosmos, deals powerfully with us as people. Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3 in these last days spoke he has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom he also made the worlds remember john 1:1 1, 1, in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god all things were made through him that were, nothing was made that was made let's get back to hebrews 1 jumping around here john 1 hebrews 1 who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I like that word majesty. This is a song, Majesty. I used to sing it when I used to go on Saturday nights to pray, and a lot of times I'd be by myself really late at night walking the sanctuary, the hallways, and the back properties, and I would just sing that song. I didn't care if it was off-key. I was singing and sobbing it from my heart, majesty. Worship his majesty. See, God's word is able to penetrate the deepest, darkest recesses of our lives. And it will expose their innermost thoughts and desires. After all these years of doing this, 34 years now, celebrated uh, that anniversary on Sunday, October 9th, posted a a video on um, social media. I need to get it up on YouTube. Sorry for those of you that are not on Instagram or Facebook celebrating the day that I was born again because it was important. Important to me, definitely important to my family. More so important to the Lord, it's what he died for. But that word exposed me. The things that Pastor Shelley said to me the Friday before that church service on Sunday exposed me because they came from the word. They had the power of the Holy Spirit behind it. And I had to make a decision Now, in the past, God's word came through angels or prophets, but now it comes through the person of Yeshua, God's son. Now, are there still prophets? I believe that there are. I do not believe many of the people that call themselves prophets are prophets because the true prophet of God brings correction, brings inspiration, brings information about what God is thinking and what he's about to do. Doesn't usually have a crowd around them. And normally doesn't usually have a whole lot of support because what he says is not what people want to hear. But that's a topic for another day. But you and I have access directly to the Lord through the Holy Spirit. I don't need a prophet For a lot of reasons, but I don't need a prophet to tell me what God's thinking. I know. I know it from the Holy Spirit, and I know it from his word. Through his word, he has initiated a relationship with us. 
and he wants us to listen to him and respond in faith and in trust. And that starts in his word with a relationship with him. And you'll know you're hearing his voice because he'll say things quicker than you can think it, and sometimes it will be what you don't want to hear. And we all struggle with it. I don't care how long you're saved or how long you've been in ministry. You will have moments of being very human. And the cares of this world and what's going on around you weigh you down. And if you hear and listen, you might hear him say, why don't you trust me? And then he'll remind you of all the times He did the things that he's done to earn your trust. But see, his word is authoritative. It is intentional, and it gives us profound hope because he is God and Father. He is Abba and can be trusted to keep his promises. I know what the failure of a human father can do. I know the wounds that that can be created. But I also know who my heavenly father is, and I will not judge him by what what my earthly father did to me. Now, how can you know what these promises are if you don't know his word, if you don't open his word? Devotionals are great, but that's like nibbling. That's a, 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 you, you know, you're stopping for a snack. You need to eat. You need to eat first thing in the morning. You need to have meals of the word, of the bread of life, the meat of God. It's all there. Your spiritual nutrition is right there. All of his word. Now, he says to be naked and exposed in that that section of Hebrews Well, what happens is, figuratively, the Word makes us vulnerable. It makes us helpless. It makes us unprotected because it strips away the facade. It strips away the veneer. And the guilty are not able to hide from God's penetrating Word of judgment. Well, guess what? The church can't hide either. Go with me to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Projectiles spew you out of my mouth because you say I am rich, I become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous 
and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on the throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This word, hard word, this word is spoken to the church. This isn't to the world. This is to people. This is the church in Laodicea that claims to know him. A lukewarm church is an unforgiving church. A lukewarm church has no compassion or understanding for the lost, the bound, or the dying. A lukewarm church only cares about itself, its riches, how it looks, how it feels. It's a bless me crowd. They've forgotten what he's done for them. And the lukewarm church has forgotten the cross. They've forgotten the price. They've forgotten why he did what he did. And what the Lord is saying to this church, and I believe that all the churches in Revelation exist right now at the same time, and this is an aspect of the church of today, that live inconsistent lives that stand for nothing but themselves, and it sickens him to the point of vomiting. If that's not a visual, I don't know what is. Their indecisive commitment was repulsive to him. Be hot or cold. See, if you're hot, you can be used. And if you're cold, you can be changed to be hot to be used. But if you're lukewarm, you're useless to him, to the world. I don't understand a lukewarm church. I really don't. I don't understand a cold church, personally. But a lukewarm church, I've been in them. And there is something repulsive about them. There's something offensive about them. There's something, I'll even say satanic, about them. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They look good. They sound good. But they're they're rotten. You ever pick up a piece of fruit that looks good and then bite into it? Oh, what's wrong with this? Or you look at an avocado, it may seem good, and then you cut it open and it's just black inside. And when he gives this declaration, he said as he is the faithful and the true witness, which means what he is speaking is the truth. He was there from the beginning, he'll be there at the end. He knows the end from the beginning. And he is the best witness of all. He can't be questioned. He can't be denied. But this church in Laodicea, they were proud of their status. They were proud of their accomplishments and their wealth. Have you ever been in a church building with a group of people like that? I have. (laughs) I almost said something. He stopped me. I have. He's not there. And churches like that don't meet up to his expectations. So he gave them an offer. He gave them the prescription for the disease of the Laodiceans. Change their attitude from self-reliance to dependence on God. 
See, Messiah will correct and discipline if those of us he loves. If he loves you, he's going to correct you. If you don't want to be corrected, then you don't understand the relationship. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, and I even say my daughter, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights, which is quoted in Hebrews 12, 5 and 6. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Correction is necessary. None of us are perfect. But even when we are in a position of correction, the Lord doesn't reject them. His faithfulness extends even to the unfaithful. Look at Second Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot but be who he is. And a person or a church, which is a fellowship, not a building, they must listen for Yeshua knocking. And when they hear it, they must run and open the door to him. Have you ever heard that knocking in your life and realized, oh my goodness, I've closed the door and he's on the outside? Run, run and open the door. See, Messiah is giving us a pattern of revival for our lives, for his church that has grown spiritually weak and has become out of fellowship with him. And simply by opening the door that they closed, they can renew that bond. And he says, we will share a meal together, which is the symbolic of acceptance, deep friendship, a covenant relationship. I mean, I, don't, I, I look at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be loud. It's going to be noisy. There's going to be singing and praising and people dancing in, in joy and in praise, and the food's going to be awesome. It's not, it's not going to be this dull, dry, dead, quiet. And, you know, I, we, we went to a local church, and people were excited. We were excited about being there, the people we were with, our kids who were we're all excited, and there was an older woman sitting in front of us, and she turned around and went, Shh, don't you know where you are? You're in church. <laughs> and I just simply said, wow, if you can't handle this kind of joy and noise, you're really not going to like heaven, are you? Well, needless to say, she didn't like that very way, very much and turned around and went, Shh. and, you know. But I was telling her the truth. Heaven's going to be noisy. It's going to be lively. It's going to be singing and shouting. There's going to be praise. The 24 elders nonstop praising him. Hmm. Oh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19.9. He said to me, write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You see, 
in this concept of meals and relationship. Yeshua is not going to sit with those who are bitter and angry and unforgiving of others. He's just not. Like like that angry person in church that day, I'm not sure what her issue was, but that's not he's looking for people that are joyful, that are forgiving, that are happy. And let me clarify, having compassion for the lost and those bound in sin doesn't mean that we can condone their sin or compromise with the world. That that's the danger I see in believers who want to be compassionate and think, well, to be compassionate, I can't say anything. Well, you need to say something in love. We need to remember who we are. We're the salt of the earth. We're the, we're the light of the, of the world. If I condone someone's sin, if I say, hey, it's okay, then I'm lying. It's not okay. We have an obligation to tell the truth. There are ways to do it. We don't have to beat them over the head with the word. We don't have to speak condemnation and judgment, but we can tell the truth in love. But we have to walk it first. We can't just talk it. We have to walk it. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is reasonable, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And let me say to you, some of you right now that are listening, I'm speaking to you. You need to call for transformation and renewal of your mind. You've gotten so caught up in fitting in and being able to talk to people that you have begun to conform your values to their values. You've silenced yourself. You need transformation back into what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word conform means to become or to be like or of the same form, indicating an inner change of nature that works and shows into your outward life, which works both ways, good and bad. If I'm transformed by the word, if I conform to the word, then I change from the inside out. But if I conform to the world, if I compromise, if I go along to get along, then I start to rot from the inside out. I may look good. I may even sound good, but I'm not good inside. That's why believers crash and burn. That's why believers do the things they do that make you wonder, well, how did that happen? Well, they were dying on the inside. They were rotten on the inside, and nobody loved them enough to say anything. 1 Peter 1, starting verse 13. This is the amplified version. So brace up your minds. Be sober, circumspect, morally alert. Set your hope wholly and unchangeably on the grace, divine favor that is coming to you when Messiah Yeshua 
is revealed. Live as children of obedience to God. Do not conform yourselves to the evil desires that governed you in your former ignorance when you did not know the requirements of the gospel. But as the one who called us, called you is holy, you yourselves must also be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call upon him as your Abba Father, who judges each one impartially according to what he or she does, then you should conduct yourselves with true reverence throughout the time of your temporary residence on this earth, whether long or short. You must know, you must recognize that you were redeemed. You were ransomed from the useless, fruitless way of living inherited by tradition from your forefathers, not with corruptible things such as silver or gold, but you, yes, you, you were purchased with the precious blood of Messiah, the sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. And for some reason, even before working on this, that thought's been running through my spirit. I've been spontaneously waking up to or during the day singing songs about the blood, by his blood, singing be, be redeemed by the cross, remembering, getting back to basics. I've been doing this now 34 years, and I do it pretty intensely. But every chance I get, I go back to the cross. I go back to what he did for me, me, sinful, disgusting, depraved, demonically possessed me before that moment I made him Lord of my life. By his blood. But what if we don't become conformed and transformed by the Lord? Someone or something else will conform us, will transform us. And we know what those things are. And if we allow a seed of doubt, a seed of anger, a seed of bitterness into our soil, and it takes root and begins to grow, well, when that happens, the soil must be stirred up. That's the only way you're going to get to it. That's what I hope these Bible studies are doing to you. That's what I hope my words are doing to you. Finding areas you've forgotten about, deep-seated areas that are down there and stirring it up. Oh, I know it's, it's not comfortable. I shared with you my own story of being confronted with things that I thought were dealt with. It's not comfortable at all. It's not enjoyable at all but it is absolutely, totally necessary. And even when we don't believe that, we need to run to the Word. We need to run to Romans 8, verses 28 through 30. Even when we need to be reassured about what we're going through, this is what we need to tell ourselves. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God 
to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, capital H, Yeshua, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Our Heavenly Father will apply outward pressure upon us to work us into the image of his Son, of Messiah, and to work his children into that image. He's the potter, we're the clay. We're the coal that he's pressuring into a diamond. And boy, does it take a lot of pressure to turn a lump of coal into a diamond. No matter where you are right now in this equation, no matter where you are and what I am describing, you have hope. You have hope to be conformed and transformed by his hands into his image by his efforts if you will submit. Hebrews 2.10, for it was fitting for him for whom all whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Romans 8.28, just what I said before, variation, we are assured and know that God, Abba Father, being a partner in our labor, all things work together and are fitting into his plan, a plan for good, and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. And while all things are working, God's providence is working in behalf of them, on behalf of them who love God and walk obediently according to his purpose. That's why the weeds and the roots that we're talking about cannot be allowed to survive. Weeds clutter and strangle a plant. It will kill a garden. It will stop it from producing. I may have mentioned this, but last week we had our the trees that fell. They were removed, and in the process of removing one of the trees, this particular tree had a vine that had been there for a long time, obviously, and it was as thick around as a rope, and I mean like a battle rope. And I tried to yank it out of the ground. It did not move because it had been allowed to exist for so long. That's what bitterness and unforgiveness does. That's what unconfessed sin does. It clutters and strangles us until we can no longer produce any fruit. It holds us in place, and we need release to grow. Proverbs 12.3, A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. See, that's the root I want. I want a root of righteousness. 
I want to run roots deep in his love. I want to be a tree planted by rivers of living water that leaf does not wither and his fruit is always there in season. But sometimes somebody's going to have to come along and cut some things away. Oswald Chambers says the New Testament preacher has to be surgical. You can't just run in cat cutting and hacking and mangling things. Seen that done. Maybe did it a few times myself as a baby Christian teacher, whatever it was I was. No, we have to be surgical. But see, that's the word. That's why you've got to open it. And I get it. The apps are convenient. They're comfortable. I have them on my iPhone, on my iPad. But I like holding that Bible in my hand. I like holding and feeling it. It's tangible. It's there. I can see it. Psalm 63, 6, David says, when I remember you, and he's speaking to God, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. No matter what's going on, no matter what he was going through, David meditated on the word of God, upon the Bible. He knew he needed it. He knew that in the midst of running from Saul, hiding in caves, people hunting him down, trying to kill him, he needed something to encourage him, something to brighten him up, something to give him hope. So he was meditating, and not like the New Age or the, the that word. It's got such a horrible connotation. It means to think about, to chew on, to seek the meaning of, to focus on, concentrate, reflect, but it's only upon the Word of God. It's not emptying your mind so that whatever thought comes in there is what you accept. No, if I meditate, if I focus, if I concentrate on the Word of God, that's what David's talking about. He's talking about the night watches, the three watches of the night. So obviously David, like me, was having difficulty sleeping because of what he was going through, because of what was going on. So what he did was he directed it towards the Word. He directed his thoughts towards worship. He wanted to speak about the things of God, to fill his mind with the knowledge of God. Psalm 1, verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 77, verse 6, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Verse 12 of Psalm 77, I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Keeping our minds on him and his word, that two-edged sword, means we relax and we allow him to work in us and on us. Well, we started what the Word of God does. It stirs things up. The Spirit stirs things up. The wind of the Spirit, the fire of the Spirit, all these things, listening, praising, worshiping, stirs things up. We don't want to be the same. We don't want to be stagnant. We don't want to be dead, smelly water. 
We want water that's moving and vibrant. Springs and streams. Alive. Oxygenated. Or at least I do. Maybe it's, maybe it's just me. Go with me to Psalm 103. This is David praising the Lord for his mercies. The Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. See, when somebody tells me that they think the Lord has forsaken them, that what they're going through is a representation of rejection. I know I can't find that in the Word. I know that the enemy has planted a thought that they've allowed to take root. His mercies endure forever. So, Let us never forget how merciful he's been to us. See, that's for me why I always talk about October 9th, 1988, the day I got saved, the day I would have struck me with a lightning bolt from heaven for kneeling down at that altar. How dare this demon-possessed man who walked out on his family and did all the things he'd done. No, that's not what he did. He saved me and he redeemed me and gave me back my family. And he called me into a life of ministry and a life with him. So I can never forget how merciful he's been to me. Let us be like him, slow to anger and abundant in mercy. See, if you don't have compassion, he's going to teach it to you the hard way. He's going to put you in the school of the Spirit. And he's going to let something happen in your life to soften your heart and to get you to where you're willing to risk rejection to feel the pain. We need to forgive others as he forgave us. We can't let the root of bitterness or anger or resentment or any of those things the enemy wants to plant take root and bear fruit. No. We need to say, stir things up, Lord. 
Take the sword of the Spirit and stir up the dirt. Turn it over. Till the ground. Clear out all the things that will not allow you to grow properly in me. Stir it up, Lord. Stir things up in me. That's my heart's cry. That's my heart's cry for you. You are never going to be what he so lovingly desires you to be until you let him stir things up. Maybe things were done to you as a child that you've hidden away, that you've boxed away, that you've covered in spiritual cement, hoping never having to deal with them. But guess what? Inside that casing, they're still alive. Crack it open and let it die in the light of his glory. Let it die in the light of the Shekinah that comes down from the throne room and let it die. Stir things up, Lord. Take all the rejection. Take all the pain. Take all the the wounds, perceived or real. Take them. Stir things up, Lord. Stir things up in me. That's my heart's cry. And I was thinking about this today, which is why I asked you in the beginning, what, why are you here? Because I hope I'm not doing these Bible studies for me. And I hope you don't listen and go, well, Richard's doing this for himself. If that's the case, I, I forg- forgive me. But I need this too. I don't believe any preacher or teacher or anybody stands up anywhere should exempt themselves from repentance, from the word, from examination. We're all growing. We're all changing. We're all being transformed from glory to glory. Stir things up, Lord. Search my heart. If there's any unclean thing in me, if there's anything in me that's not of you, take it away. Stir things up, Lord. Take out that root. Take out that thing I've held on to. Take out that thing that's been passed down to me. Take out that thing that's been put upon me. Stir things up, Lord. Now, if you're agreeing with me, you're saying, stir things up, Lord. And things are coming to mind. And he's just coming down with that hand. And scooping it out so it can't grow anymore. And maybe he's taking the fire of the Holy Spirit and singeing it and destroying it so that it can never come back again. Stir things up, Lord. Now stir up the fire. Stir up the Spirit. Stir up your word. Stir up the love. And let us be what you need us to be in this time. Because we love you. And we want to be used by you so that when we sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we know that we are done. We've done all that we were supposed to do. I just pray all these things for all of us in Yeshua's name. If you agree with me, say amen. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.